All right, welcome back everyone to Seek and Find, my podcast centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your host, Elder Dylan Wilkinson. I'm really happy to be with you tonight or this morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to my podcast. And um, just, again, really grateful that you're able to listen in. My goal is to provide real and sincere content to help you seek a better understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to find the answers to your questions through the Spirit of the Lord. Although I am a full-time missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what I say and what is said by others on this podcast does not represent the official stance of the Church. However, I encourage you to open your hearts to the Spirit because as you listen, the messages that God wants you to hear will come to your mind. Alright, awesome. I am super excited for today. We, I'm going to be talking to... Kelly Thompson Herbert, okay? So she is awesome, and she has an incredible story. We're going to talk about her story. She's going to introduce our, introduce herself and as, as we begin here and when I call her. But uh, today we're going to be talking about addiction and, like, overcoming that. And honestly, to be honest, I don't have too many notes for this one. The Spirit is just going to guide us, and so we'll see where, where it goes. But... Uh, I'll introduce her, and she'll introduce herself too when I call her. But just that's my little opening. So we're I'm gonna call her right now. Her name's Kelly again. She has quite the story, and I'm really excited about this. But I'm gonna go ahead and call her right now. Hello. Hey Kelly, how you doing? Hey, hey how are you? <laughs> good, good, awesome. Okay, is everything working good? good? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yep. Can you hear me all right? Yep. We're good. I can. I can hear you. Awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me and, and asking to be on Seeking Find. I think this is a really good opportunity for missionary work and for people's stories to be shared to the world. And and I know your story has been um, shared before, and so I, I've heard it, and it's just it's awesome. So I, I'm really excited for all the listeners to have an opportunity to hear hear your story so thank you for thank you coming. no i'm i i love sharing my story and i love sharing my testimony um you know as many times and as many opportunities as i can and when i saw that you were doing this podcast i had to reach out for sure and, awesome. um, and let you know i'm willing to share so um, awesome. Do you want me to introduce myself a little bit? Yeah, um, real quick before okay. I guess yeah. I can do my part because I'm sure your your introduction oh, will, be, yeah. will be way better than mine. But um, how long ago were you in McCall in our hometown? Oh gosh, let's see. I think I've been out here in Utah now for two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. <clears throat> right on. And I was in McCall for a couple years. A couple mm-hmm. years. Yes, so growing up, when I was younger, Kelly was in my ward, and I was probably age 16, um, around that time, and so I I got to become friends with her, and to hear her story, and to see, uh, actually to see some, some light come into her life, and it was, it was awesome to yeah, you were you were kind of there to witness all the changes. <laughs> yes, and I remember the just the time leading up to when you went through the temple, and oh man, it's so yeah. awesome. But oh. yeah, so I was able to. I was very fortunate to get to know Kelly um, a little bit, 
when I was younger, growing up in the same ward. And so that's kind of where our connection was. And she reached out to me after a previous episode, uh, the, the one about mental health awareness. And she was like, hey, I want to be on your podcast. And so I was, I was surprised myself. And this, again, this is, this is new for me. So to have somebody reach out to me, it's, it's like, whoa, it's so cool. But okay. So <laughs> well, I love that you're doing it. I yeah. think it's a really, really important topic. And I think, um, you know, that you were just opening up the dialogue and helping people understand better, you know, through people's personal stories. I think it's just incredibly helpful uh, for those out there who might be struggling or need answers or some inspiration and some hope. So yeah. I'm glad that you're doing it. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I'm doing it. For those exact yeah. reasons. All right, so cool. I guess Kelly, would you would you uh, introduce yourself to sure. the listeners? <laughs> sure. Yep. So my name is Kelly Thompson Herbert. Um, I just recently got the second part of my last name. Um, I got. I know. I got married March thirteenth. It was actually Friday the thirteenth, the last day the temp- the temples were open before everything shut You're down. You're kidding. So we the barely- last day? No. The last day, and it Whoa. was Friday the 13th. All right. So there's a yeah. story there, so. maybe for another time, but that's a miracle in, itself, <laughs> yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, sorry for interrupting it, you. It was a miracle. <laughs> yes. Um, I live in Utah now, but like you said, I, I lived in Idaho before, um, and I've actually lived lived in Minnesota where you are now. I've moved around quite a bit. Um, I'm 45 years old. I have two daughters, and my husband has five grown children, and we have seven grandchildren. Love it. Um, and I was raised in the church, um, and but my family left the church and became inactive when I was about 13 years old. And we grew up outside of Utah, kind of moving around quite a bit. Um, and when I was about 13, 14 years old, I turned to drugs and alcohol. Um, I had always kind of struggled with my self-esteem and didn't have a very good view of myself and um, just really reached out very young for something to help me cope with those feelings that I didn't know what to do with. Um, And at the same time, my family left the church. And so all that spiritual, you know, help that comes, you know, when a family is, is participating in all those things that kind of left at the same time and things became really difficult. Um, I struggled immediately. Once I turned to drugs and alcohol, um, it, it took over my life very quickly. And from that point on, my life was really very, very chaotic. And, you know, I was running away and dropping out of school and just really struggling with addiction, with drinking and with drugs and, um, living very recklessly and yeah, it was, it was was really tough. I did not feel good about myself and, and it's like the disease of addiction just took over my life. And there was this part of me that would want to make good choices and that, and to have a life that looked a little bit like my older sister's life. And I just couldn't seem to ever, you know, make those choices. I couldn't seem to ever see myself as somebody who, who could get past the labels and the stigma that 
you know, piled on top of me very, very quickly. And I was angry. I was really angry with God. You know, life was hard. And I think in all that darkness, I just felt abandoned. And so I just turned away. And I, I had little moments, like little spiritual moments, especially talking to my older sisters. But they never really lasted long. And they didn't seem to give me the help or the long-term motivation that I needed to actually change my life. And so I struggled my, my whole life. Um, I struggled with really extreme behaviors. Um, I placed three children for adoption out of wedlock and, um, and was married and had two daughters in that marriage. Um, and then was divorced and struggled really hard with both mental health issues and with addiction throughout mm-hmm. uh, my marriage and my 20s. Um, and I left my husband um, in, uh, gosh, yeah. I left him maybe when the girls were, I don't know, seven and eight years old. And I had a few years where things looked okay, but I really went off the deep end. And um, in my late 30s, I found uh, heroin and added that to my meth and alcohol problem and and lost everything very, very quickly. Um, and so things went from bad to worse. And I lost my, my daughters. They went to live with my sister because she could care for them. Yeah. And I lost everything and ended up on the streets in Salt Lake City, you know, supporting my habit with prostitution and really just in the worst of worst conditions and having lived like an addict for so many years, it was just all I could see for myself. I didn't know how to be anything different. It's, it's all I'd ever known was that craving and, and it had brought me to a place where I lost everything and just didn't know how to get home. And it's, it's really dark and awful out there. You know, there are a lot of people struggling in addiction and, you know, out in that world where people are trying to survive, it's, it's really difficult and challenging for sure. And so I lived in that for a long time. Wow. Um, yeah, but luckily, (laughs) luckily, um, you know, things, I had an opportunity to, um, Gosh, we call it in recovery, we call it the gift of desperation. Um, You know, I had been through a lot and life had gotten very difficult out there, but it was reaching new levels of difficult. And um, Mm -hmm. there was something in that that helped me uh, get the desperation that I needed to finally be willing to give the God idea a chance. Uh, I think I was finally humbled enough, desperate enough, um, and around enough darkness that it was like I didn't, I just craved the light. I knew I was an addict. I knew I had made poor choices, but I also knew that like my heart wanted the light, not the darkness. I just didn't know how to start moving in that direction. I didn't know how to get out of the situation I was in or how to start changing my life. It seemed impossible, like impossible odds. I mean, at that point I was completely disconnected from my family, 
really trapped in a circle of very um, uh, unhealthy criminals and um, not sure how to move and really trapped in the disease of addiction, like compulsively using and not knowing how to stop. And it's interesting how, you know, Heavenly Father finds a way even in the most impossible circumstances. And, and um, you know, there came a point where, you know, I, it took a long time, but, you know, through some of those really hard times, like I started to remember primary songs yeah. that I had learned as a little girl and they'd it. come back to me. And so when I was really afraid, I would start singing bits and pieces of those songs that I remembered. And I, I knew like, it was like, I could remember my little testimony, you know, and, and in that place where I had nobody to turn to, it was like heavenly father and God became very real and my only friend. And, mm -hmm. um, and it was very comforting, even though I was in the terrible situation. Um, I had, I was, I knew I was developing a relationship with Heavenly Father and I could feel that happening and it gave me enough hope to, you know, to kind of hang on. Um, and he, you know, I, I prayed probably the most humble prayer I've ever prayed in my entire life on my knees one day. And I knew that help was coming. I got up from that prayer feeling very different. Yeah. I was given an opportunity to, um, you know, to have a fresh start. And, and so, yeah, I mean, it, wow. it was the, just the beginning, you know, but it was the first time I was like, okay, um, I could feel hope coming. Like I had been so chronically hopeless for so long. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm going to try this prayer thing. I'm going to try to really believe that heavenly father will show up for me that I'm going to try to even believe he's real at all and see what happens. And, and it was like a series of really conspicuous, amazing events that showed me heavenly father it was very, very real, very much aware of what I was going through and very willing to help me. Yeah. And I had been really quite um, blocked off from that for a long time. I didn't, believe that in anymore. Um, and so to start seeing that evidence, you know, he made it very obvious, especially right at the beginning, several times. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Can I just ask one question? Yeah, um, sure. You talked about like the, the, the desires that you had and it sounds like throughout your life, you always like on the inside, you always had the desire to be good. Am I, am, did I understand that correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, awesome. And so you always had that desire, but then on the outside you had these these addictions and these these things pulling you yes. down. Um, that was exactly. Of the world. So so like yeah, the inside just felt like you know I want to be this person. I just don't know how to be. Right. I just didn't know how to be with with this with yeah with the addiction problems wow. and it's progressive. It gets worse over time. Yeah, so. and I think that's a very a very personal thing to you, but also. Um, can be related to other people too, but people who are, who are struggling out there, there are people right now, this very second, that are that are struggling and in in your shoes where you were, um, and we want to reach out to them. Um, but I, I have a firm belief, and I have that belief that deep down on the inside, that all those people, they they want to do good, 
Um, yes. And I think that's God given to human to humans. Yeah. Um, but then, so the connection here that I wanted to make was your feelings. You had all this this outside influence on you, uh, whether that was even like you know taking drugs in to create those those feelings of happiness that you so longed for, um, and you know anything we can go into that but you you had those desires um on the outside but on the inside you had those feelings of wanting to be good and um i think it's cool how you had those feelings to carry you into that prayer uh into those things that like turned your life around um and i I guess just the thought i had was just the power of of desire of your hearts that even the in those in the depths of sin that are just yes. waiting in water, not going anywhere, just going backwards, they still have those feelings that that can carry them through. God has not forgotten about them, and it's not on the no, outside. And, yeah, go ahead. And the adversary, the adversary at that point has, you know, at least in my case, it, I felt very uniquely broken, like. Like, I'm broken in a way that there's no way to fix. And yeah. I am past the point of hope. Like, and so when you feel hopeless, like when you literally don't think there's a different way, it's hard to, you just kind of give up. You know, you just, that was, that was what it felt like inside. Like, I, I can never be different. I don't know. And it took for me kind of being that that super desperate and still here um and turning and then god surprising me by showing up like it was you know quite i was very shocked it was the biggest plot twist of my life that god turned out to be real to be honest (laughs) well it is true and satan works so hard to degrade every ounce of self-worth that we have um in our divine identity and who we really are and it's for that reason yeah. so that we ignore our feelings for good and that we that we let those feelings of hopelessness take over. Um, yes. And Satan works hard. But guess what? God, Jesus Christ works harder. And Oh, yes. And yeah. it's just so cool. Okay, so... Well, and his power, his power in comparison. Now that I... I mean, I was... Addiction is a terrible, cunning, baffling, powerful disease. And now that I've seen the strength of Heavenly Father and I can compare the two, I, I understand, um, or I think at times that I'm maybe beginning to understand the amount of power that Heavenly Father has in comparison to addiction, even being as, as just so confusing and awful and hard and difficult as it is, you know, Heavenly Father is so much stronger. Yeah. And when we turn for that power when we turn to him for it um he provides it he literally provides it and um and it kind of you know i i think of the adversary and his minions a little bit like toddlers with pots and pans banging around or something it's like i see i see past i mean i know you know um they they cause serious damage but but um i see them in comparison to heavenly father and and it puts them in their place, if that makes sense. Because I know who Heavenly Father is and what He's capable of helping me accomplish with Him. Yeah. Man, that's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. So I guess where does your story go from there? 
Um, so I, um, the, I would say my biggest conspicuous moment were um, right at the beginning when Heavenly Father showed up for me long before I had the testimony I have today. Um, I, I had been clean and sober for five weeks which is the longest I had been clean and sober in years and years. So I had five weeks. I was still very fresh. Like I was still detoxing even kind of in a way and Mm -hmm. not, and you know, I had been coming out of a lot of trauma. So I was very kind of shell shocked in a way. And I was living in this, I had just moved to this little apartment in downtown Denver to stay with my sweet niece who was letting me sleep in her walk-in closet because that's, that was, that was like the only place where I could actually like stretch out and sleep. So she let me move in. So I wasn't homeless. And, um, and I got there on a Saturday night and I can remember pulling up in the cab and it's this little brownstone building in downtown Denver, and I realize that I am in the middle of a serious homeless population and drug problem. You know, it's just evidence of it ever, everywhere. Yeah. And um, and I just felt my heart sink because I was like, I have just five weeks and I'm trying to start my life again. And I have this little opportunity to maybe get my feet underneath me and, and to try and barely praying and trying that and heavenly father showing up for me, but I'm still not sure. And then now all of a sudden I'm, I'm in the middle of drug central and it's not as though I had a ton of other options. This was my option. I didn't have anywhere else to go. This was the plan. And, um, my little niece went out that night and I was sitting in that apartment and my phone of course wouldn't work in the building. And, um, I could smell, um, you know, the aroma of people burning drugs in the apartment building around me. And and I was just thinking, Oh my gosh, like I started to kind of panic really. Um, and I, I wanted to go to church the next day. I didn't know where the building was. I couldn't Google anything on my phone. And I was just starting to feel like a trapped animal. Um, and I went out into the back alley uh, I still smoked cigarettes at the time. That's before I quit with the missionaries. And mm-hmm. I went outside to get some air and smoke a cigarette. And I saw, like, there, you know, certain drug paraphernalia sprinkled in the back alley. And I realized that people were using drugs in the back alley. And I just kind of broke down in that moment. And just was like, Heavenly Father, I am trying so hard to change my life. You know, and I, I'm barely have this little flame of hope and I'm so afraid and so like why am I here of all places and just had this prayer with him just stood there crying in this alley in the cold and the dark and um, I put out my cigarette and went inside when I was done and I walked into the apartment and closed the door and I was taking off my jacket and my shoes and there was a soft knock on the door and I was a little bit nervous like who's knocking on the door but I went and opened it and there were two sister missionaries standing there (laughs) and I was like still crying from my prayer telling Heavenly Father that I needed comfort and I'm looking at them like like I just I, I think I even said this out loud I said I just prayed like I literally just prayed and they had felt really inspired to 
not only walk through that neighborhood in the dark, which is not a great neighborhood, but to go actually visit my niece, who who was less active at the time. Um, they felt so inspired. And in that building, you had to get buzzed in. And they stood outside. They were out front when I was out back. They stood outside and waited for someone to buzz them in. Um, and <laughs> in order to come knock at the door at that time. And my niece had lived in that apartment for Oh, you know, over a year. And this was the moment and this was the time. And I knew I was, I mean, of course I invited them in and we acknowledged that this had just happened. I told them I literally had tears in my eyes still from my prayer. And I'm like, I literally just prayed. And it was a very powerful moment. And it's, you know, those sister missionaries were exactly, exactly what I needed. They were, you know, sweet, and I felt like I could trust them, and they could tell me where to go to church, and then I had, you know, a connection to people who, you know, those sister missionaries had the spirit with them, so when they would come, I would get to kind of get a, to bathe in that a little bit, and, and, and when they would leave, I could feel that over time, it would wear down, and when they'd come back, I would get this really distinct feeling, and it was exactly what I needed, but I knew, I knew that Heavenly Father had answered my prayer. Like, I didn't dare call it a coincidence after um, after all that. Yeah. You know, after begging him for help and begging him for comfort. And he literally sent these sister missionaries faster than, like, Jimmy John's. Like, it was super <laughs> freaky fast. That's right? pretty freaky fast. And here they were. <laughs> and I, you know, and it's like... How could I, I would never dare ever say that was a coincidence ever. I knew he was, he was telling me, I'm here. You know, I love you. I hear you. You can do this. You're where you're supposed to be. And, and it was like the first time I really realized, oh my gosh, Heavenly Father is real. Like it hit me. <laughs> like yeah. I'm a child of God. And he's real and he hears me and it changed the entire game. I mean, there was so much work that had to be done, but it changed from that moment forward, understanding how, how much of a reality it is, you know, just changed uh, everything, just began to change everything. And I think there's a lot of power in knowing who we are. I think in fine, you know, that I'm not this prostitute. I'm not this bad mother. You know, I'm not just this junkie drug addict. You know, I'm a loved child of God. And there is an opportunity for me to have a different life and to be forgiven and to have a purposeful life. Like that's possible even for someone like me. And um, that was just amazing to have lived in so much darkness and hope and hopelessness for so long. And then all of a sudden through my faith, through this faith I had, it's like the doors to the world opened up and it's been a crazy, amazing, incredible journey ever since. <laughs> like I can hardly like every time I turn around, there's like some new cool thing happening in my life. And I'm like, no way. It's you so know, awesome. It's, it's awesome. And I feel, I feel like, you know, my passion is to, 
Like, I want to walk into the darkness with my lantern, and I want to go find those people who are sitting in that awful, sick, dark place that is so lonely. And it's just, it's, it's hell. And I want mm-hmm. to tell them there is a way out. There is a different life. And even though it doesn't seem like there is, or even though you're, you've been told for a long time that there, that there isn't a different way, there is a different way that they're being lied to. They're being lied to. There is a different way. There's healing and forgiveness and, and it comes through the savior and his infinite atonement. And it's life changing, soul changing and amazing. Wow. And it's an incredible ride. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is an incredible it ride. Is. I just want to say I do feel the spirit strongly. Um, just the mixture of like a great story and then the spirit confirming the truth of the atonement. There is power. Um, I remember you talking about the just the power of change that um, God's power can overcome uh, any temptation, Satan's power, uh, anything that we face. And what what we call that is grace. And if you're if yes. you're confused, if the listeners are confused about what grace is, um, put it simply: it is it's the power that comes from the atonement, from Jesus' sacrifice. And so, and that power is change. And so, I, I guess one question is: sure, what? Because we we know repentance is like change, um, and obviously yeah. we saw that in your experience. Um, but just on a deeper level, like. Uh, how did you see your nature change? Like the your very being change um, as I you would, repented. Uh, you know, it's not. It hasn't been like this one change. It's kind of like um, like an onion, you yeah. know, um, <laughs> like layers of change. And so I work twelve um, step recovery, and twelve step recovery is really just the repentance process and it allows grace to come into my life. So as I work the repentance process, I, I get that strength and I get kind of layers of healing, layers of insight, um, new levels of humility. Um, you know, it's, it's like a little journey of discovery of my human nature and, and it changes all the time. And there are times I have to, realize, oh my goodness, this is a behavior that is, this is not a good behavior. This is something I need to repent for. This is um, something I still need to work on. And that happens all the time. And, And then I have these enlightened moments where I'm like, I finally see something different for the first time in my life. And I see it with truth and I feel free. Yeah. And that's, that's so true. It is a journey. And to all those people that are suffering with addiction, whatever it may be, I should actually say to everybody who's listening, we're all, we're all suffering from addiction in some aspect or other. Um, but to those people that are um, suffering with similar similar things that Kelly suffered with, um, it's it's a process. Don't give up. Uh, it's it takes hard hard work. And the thing about this journey of recovery, addiction recovery, is that it takes it's it's piece by piece step by step yes. and that includes uh, sometimes falling backwards because satan does not want you to be happy he wants you to be trapped his goal is to strip our agency from us and when we are addicted we have no agency 
every ounce of our being is focused toward getting that next hit or um, whatever it may be of that next high, uh, everything. And so we are trapped to that. We are bound by his chains. But the way that those chains are broken is through faith in Jesus Christ, through that repentance, through that working step by step. Every step that you take towards God breaks that chain. And you can become free. That is the, that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news that Kelly saw in her life. That's the good news that I am here to share in Minneapolis. That is like literally why I'm here. I miss my family. Uh, this, is, this is cheesy, but, um, but I, do, I, I, I do have that legitimate reason why I'm here. And it is because Jesus Christ can break those chains. Jesus Christ can yes. break those addictions. Oh, why are they called addictions? Because man cannot break that. Mankind, our human nature, we are, we, it's not possible for us to break that. Once we are in addiction, if we don't involve Jesus Christ, we will stay there. And when I say involve Jesus Christ, that means good, good things. And so for those people that, that uh, aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, that are still great people, because guess what? There are great people out there that aren't members. Um, for those people that do get through addictions, it's because they hold on to good. And that is Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And I guess just like my message, I, Kelly has a, a greater message. She has more experience. But the thing that I want to share is that you can make it out of it. There, There is hope. Um, and it's through Jesus Christ. Oh man, it's awesome. It's so liberating what happens when you come unto him and when you yeah. devote yourself to good. Man, it's awesome. But it's nice to have hope. Yes. <laughs> yes it is. And light. Yeah. Yes it is. All right. Kelly, um I don't want to take yeah. up too much your of your evening, but if you wanted to just say any last words, um bear your witness or your testimony or anything like that. Sure. Um, it's all yours. I think um, my biggest message is kind of what you just talked about right now, which is that there actually is hope um, that you can do the same thing over and over again and fail and relapse and all of it. You can live this way for, for years and there's still hope. There's still hope for you. We get to become uh, new people through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We literally get to become new people and live in a different reality. And that is possible here while we're still alive, while we're having this experience, even while dealing with addiction, we get to have peace of mind and and hope. And um, and it's a game it's a game changer. I mean it changes everything. And I want that's what I want to say to the person who's feeling hopeless, that there is hope. There is hope because if there is hope for someone like me, there's definitely hope for every single person on this planet. So, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. I've absolutely, I've absolutely loved for, this. Thanks for letting me share my story. Yes, this has been awesome. I, I really love this podcast and being able to hear awesome stories. And uh, I guess to anybody that's listening, if you want your story on, 
seek and find. And if you can, if you think that people can benefit from it, which they totally can, then absolutely join us on the call. Thank you so much for having me. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks again for joining and feeling the spirit because the spirit was felt. I felt it. I hope you felt it. And if you did feel the spirit, then I invite you to act on that. Go to cometochrist.org or check out our local Facebook page, Followers of Jesus Christ in the Twin Cities. Guys, there is healing to be found through Jesus Christ. And we have that hope. We have, we have Jesus Christ to help us through our addictions and our trials. And that is the truth. That is the truth. Enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day, your night, whenever. But thanks for tuning in, and y'all are awesome. Godspeed.